0: The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus the Liberating King and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. see you, this is Pastor Chris, and I'm speaking to you today from our new Lindale campus. I can't wait to tell you all about it. I'm hoping that the good news of the day helps you push through what probably for you has been for me a bit of an Astros hangover. I mean, I've joked with uh, Pastor Ramon on our staff many times that I might have needed Prozac through the years if our team wasn't so good because having something to look forward to makes my life a little bit better. And we've got a lot of other things to look forward to, but the Astros have been a lot of fun. And uh, if you know anything about our church, you know that we love baseball, not just because it's baseball. In fact, there was a street preacher out at the World Series telling people that if they love baseball, they didn't love God. They didn't love Jesus. Well. I beg to differ. God made people and people made baseball and people play baseball and God loves the things that we love and baseball is a place in our culture where you can sit and visit with people. And so next year, no matter how the Astros are doing, I hope you join us at the ballpark and we get to sit and share life with each other. We're going to have more seats again post pandemic. We're going to be back at the thing that we do well, which is faith. In community and today I wanted to talk to you about that we're in a series on the loss of enchantment the sense that historically people saw the world as magical they they thought and believed what was true that God was present everywhere and he was active and sometimes you and I live as though uh, God's not present in the world and we have lost a sense of mystery and awe. And in this series, we've been following the book uh, of a friend, Richard Beck, called Hunting Magic Eels. And if you've read the book or you have just followed the series, you've also learned a little bit about what makes our church unique. We've talked in this series about the things from a charismatic tradition, a liturgical tradition, uh, from many different parts of our faith and backgrounds that inform who we are. And this is one of the things that makes Ecclesia unique. In fact, sometimes people ask us what kind of church are you and we say we're multi-denominational People go. What does that mean? Well in a short sense We'd say uh, we learn from and we believe we belong to everybody if we say we're non-denominational It sounds like we're pushing others away And the truth is we borrow from a lot of traditions and that's why a lot of people feel at home here sometimes we'll say we're Baptocostal Catholic right and uh, we're these people that If you're like me and you're a recovering Baptist, there's something about the love for the Bible and the teaching of the Bible and the commitment to Jesus that feels like home. But maybe without some of the legalism and things that were really hard for us. Uh, If you're uh, Pentecostal and you you have a charismatic sense of worship, people come and we got a heart to our worship. People lift their hands in praise and worship and in celebration because we believe that uh, that's part of a, a natural, healthy response to a God that we love. And if you're a Catholic or Episcopalian, you may come and feel like the way we uh, share in spoken prayers and the way we celebrate the liturgy, it feels like home to you. And this book has just been a reminder that we're a people that are meant to learn from a lot of traditions. And one of the traditions we're gonna talk about today is the tradition of Celtic Christianity, specifically the contribution of a man named St. Patrick and the work that he did and what we learned from him. And when we talk about an ecclesia, a holistic faith. We describe ourselves as Houston's holistic missional Christian community. When we use the word holistic, the reason that we started out that way 23 years ago almost, when I began to dream about what our church would be, was because of the influence of really two people, St. Patrick, we'll talk about that today, and a Latin American theologian named Rene Padilla. And Rene Padilla talked about mission integral. Uh, Rene became later a dear friend. Uh, He's preached at Ecclesia. Uh, he lived most recently in Argentina and the last year, uh, Renee's passed away. He's no longer with us. But his contribution to who we are, it lives on today. And I got to tell you, Ecclesia, it lives in this Lindale campus. I'm going to read to you from the book of James. And James talks about this faith that Renee was so passionate about, that was integrated into all of our lives. Uh, it's a faith that has works, that actually does something. and. On this campus, if you're at the place that maybe many have been post-pandemic, and you're wondering like, one, why do I go to church? And Some of us have been slow to come back for a number of reasons. Why do I participate in church? And if I do, why my church? Why Ecclesia? You could either not go to church, you could, go to church. You can go to any church. There are a lot of great churches in the city. Why are we a part of this church? And part of what I would tell you that I love about this church is we put our faith into action. And here at our newest campus in Lindale is a place that we get to do that. And we're starting not with worship services, though we hope and pray that we'll have worship services here in the future. We're starting serving our community because we believe that's what God made us to do, is to serve. And so we're starting with a partnership with Urban Strategies as we do a Head Start program here. And this is what that means. Pregnant mothers in this area are getting help uh, with prenatal care and development, making sure they're gonna birth healthy babies and prepared for the journey ahead. Once those babies are born, they get to enlist those babies in a Head Start program, a preschool that's free that kids can come and learn, and as a church, we get to come around them. We get to watch these babies grow, mostly in a bilingual environment. I got to be here for our grand opening, and it was so much fun. Our friend, Mariano Rivera, the greatest pitcher of all times, He's a New York Yankee, but we don't hold it against him. He was amazing for them for 19 years, and he's even more amazing as a man of faith. And Mariano is one of our partners here. He's helping invest in an educational center where once these kids get through preschool, they've got more opportunities for tutoring and learning and sports opportunities. We're working with our friends at Attack Poverty that have amazing programs already in this community that will be based out of this building, where older kids get help And they basically invite them to say, be great students, like we believe in you. And you've got mentors and people that will come and serve you. And a direct connection to families in this community that we began to pray with, that we began to walk with. And I gotta tell you Ecclesia, this is what we were made to do. We've made a massive investment in this campus. It's beautiful. The classrooms are gorgeous. Uh, there's a patio that's about to become a playground where kids get to play and serve and it's going to be open to the whole community. We've got spaces where we'll be eating together. We already had a group of pastors here, uh, mostly Latino, getting to know them and, and figure out how we can serve and work together. There's a massive auditorium space and it's going to be beautiful when it's completely finished out. And we've got an upstairs that's going to have more classrooms and opportunities for kids to grow and learn and serve. and. I'm telling you, Ecclesia, this is what we were made to do. In the book of James, chapter 2, James talks about this kind of struggle. And it's the one I grew up with as a recovering Baptist, and many of you could relate to it. It was the kind of faith that said, being a Christian is about what you believe. And even coming to faith was this mental assent. They call it metanoia in the Latin, right? There was this sense that I, I agreed at who Jesus was, and now I'm a believer. But in James, he says, If believing in your head is all you got, it's not really anything. In James chapter 2, verse 14, this is the way James puts it. He says, brothers and sisters, it doesn't make any sense to say you have faith and act in a way that denies that faith. He says, mere talk never gets you very far. Anybody been around, or maybe you've been that kind of person of faith, that you talk about Jesus? but it didn't actually lead you to do things. He said, in a commitment to Jesus only in words, it will not save you. It would be like seeing a brother or sister without any clothes out in the cold and begging for food and saying, shalom, friends, shalom, uh, in the Hebrew means wholeness. Be whole, friend. You should get inside where it's warm and eat something, but doing nothing about his needs, leaving him cold and alone and on the street, What good would your words alone do? The same is true with faith. Without actions, James says, faith is useless. Now people ask me, what do you love about being the pastor of Ecclesia? And I can tell you a long list of things. I get to be honest and real. My life's not perfect. It's been hard sometimes. And I get to walk with people that know that it's in hard places that we learn. In fact, in St. Patrick's story, part of what you learn is that St. Patrick was shaped spiritually By six years as a slave, he was a slave in the land that ultimately he would be a part of transforming with a real and vibrant Christian faith. I love that about my church, but I got to tell you what I love most about our church is that we're not going to sit around and talk about faith. We're not going to have a bunch of Bible studies that don't go anywhere. We're going to serve our homeless brothers and sisters, not just serve them, eat with them, share life with them. Day after Thanksgiving, you've got the opportunity to come and serve and eat and watch football with our homeless brothers and sisters and honor our guests, our beloved guests that we love from all over the city. It's a great opportunity. You've got opportunities here. We're going to do things. And then he goes on to explain, right? He says there even the demons actually believe who God is, right? So believing in your head doesn't mean anything. He says this, he says, that's what the scripture means when it says Abraham entrusted himself to God and God credited him with righteousness. And living a faithful life earned Abraham the title of God's friend. He said, Abraham didn't just think about it. He did it. He went out on a journey where he had no idea where it would take him. He he had to have faith. He had to step out. He didn't do it all perfectly. He made some mistakes for sure. But Abraham wanted to act. And we ought to, too. He says, even Rahab, who was a prostitute, was made right with God by hiding the spies and aiding in their escape. And this is what he says, verse 26. Hear this one. Removing action from faith is like removing breath from a body. All you have left is a corpse. Ecclesia, post-pandemic, there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of reasons to say, I don't have time to do, to do. My friend Bob Goff says it well, love does. It does things. And in this sermon, I want to invite you into some of the things we've learned. And by the end of it, we're going to have one of our pastors on both campuses come up and share with you about some things you can actually do that we can put our faith in action. So where have we learned this? Well, in part, we learned it from the tradition of Celtic Christianity. And our friend Richard Beck points it out in the book, Celtic Christians were unique. St. Patrick um, went off and was literally enslaved in Ireland. He was released after six years of slavery or escaped, went back and ultimately studied in the seminary, uh, had a real experience of faith, um, became a pastor and then a bishop, and then ultimately appealed to the higher ups to say, what if I went back to the land where people Enslaved me. He was known as a faithful young boy. He was, he was a shepherd who had very little to eat. His job was to take care of sheep. He wasn't paid or cared for well. But God spoke to him in those hills. And he went back to Ireland. And when he did, he told the story of Jesus. And he did it in a way that's very much the way that we long to do it. How do we tell the story of faith with the things around us? They loved this uh, clover, this three-leafed clover and he began to explain this clover is like the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and God comes to us in these three ways I might do something similar at a baseball game and explain how Jose Altuve's swing right offers an insight into God's beauty and it is a beautiful little swing can you believe a man that small can create that much power it's beautiful wherever it is Patrick saw the beauty and he pointed towards it he invited people into it Celtic Christians always had a sense of place Where they were was really important. In fact, they built Celtic crosses on special hills. When I I went back to Ireland, I got to go to Schlemish. That's the place they said, St. Patrick used to shepherd sheep. It's a place that's important in their faith. And for us, place is similar. It may be the house that you grew up in. It may be the place that you came to faith. This building for many in Lindale is a place that was really special. It served the community for many years. And yet the church began to decline year after year after year, it became a small church, finally a church that was barely existing. And that's when they approached us and said, maybe we can partner together to see something really thrive in this place. This last week Ecclesia, we had a grand opening. Great pitcher Mariano Rivera's there and Urban Strategies is there and Attack Poverty and all of our friends and we invited out people in the community. I got to meet abuelas that are gonna have sweet little babies in this preschool program and it touched my heart, I gotta tell you. But one of my favorite things, was having someone here that had a sense of place. She started going to this church, our sister Estelle Clayton, when she was four years old. She was uh, married here. She raised her kids in this church. In fact, my great-grandmother attended this church for a season Right? as a native Eustonian, There's history all around us. And Estelle loves this place. Her husband, David, worked for us for a period of time. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. But he cleaned this church for years. And as she walked through it, And she saw the opportunity for kids and babies to learn and grow and thrive and hear about Jesus. She she was giddy. She was excited. And I hope you are too. I hope your heart hasn't become so hardened to the hard things in this world that we miss out on the reality that we're made to love these kids. And this place is special. I wanna invite you over. I want you to come, pray over it, serve inside of it support it financially, whatever it is, because this place, like other places, is special. We also believe that the Celtic Christians teach us a lot about creativity. They loved story, food, and creativity. Now that sounds like Ecclesia, doesn't it? It does, because the Celtic Christians influenced us from the very beginning. And the Celtic Christians would gather and they would literally perform plays. They would memorize parts of the Bible and they would perform the story and tell the story of Jesus. They would have meals and in their meals, all the ingredients might symbolize something of faith. And as they would eat and drink and the stories go, they love food and good mead, right? They, the Irish still today, they love their beer, right? And you show up and you'll eat food and you'll drink beer. And you know what they do? They sit and talk and talk and talk and talk and laugh and then sing. I had an experience once years ago going to speak at a conference where I went into an Irish pub and literally, you think this is like a cartoon, right? Literally, people came in with violins and fiddles and the next thing you know, we were all singing Irish hymns. It it was a trip, right? We don't go to bars and all sing together. They actually do. They love community, they love faith, they love creativity, they love beauty, and we should too. One of the reasons that we do our worship service online in a format now called The Worship Table is an invitation for you to gather your friends and your neighbors and to eat a great meal together and to share in the stories that we're sharing at church as we open the scripture and God reveals amazing things to us. I don't know what else you might learn from Celtic Christianity but for me that passion for story, creativity, food and the reality that God's present with us in the meal. Eating is not something different uh, than our faith and spiritual part. It's all one big, beautiful thing. And God meets me on the grill. And literally, as I'm grilling meat, the smoke goes up and it gets in my beard. I smell it later. Maybe you do too if you do that. And it's it just this sense of like, God was present there. So Ecclesia, whatever it is, would you contemplate the ways that you can be aware of God's presence, find it in food and creativity and place, And as we share with you today, I want you to consider the ways that you could lean in at our new campus here in Lindale. I gotta tell you, there's a lot of need. It can start with food. It can start with supporting the work that we're called to do through these preschools and Head Start programs, through tutoring, and that can be in service, and it desperately for us needs to be in giving and a sharing of our financial resources. This building is beautiful. The classrooms are made to make kids feel like they are honored and blessed. The spaces that we're gonna worship in and pray in are beautiful. And it's been a long, a remarkable investment. But I think when you make your way over here, you're gonna be proud to be a part of a church that wants to care for the community well. So will you allow me a moment to pray for you and with you? Lord God, I thank you for the kids all across Houston. Lord, we know, especially in the Houston Independent School District, that there are many kids that feel abandoned and left out. They've been left behind. And there are opportunities Um, Don't seem tangible to them. And God, we want to be a part of a community that says to every kid in this city that God created you with a purpose and a meaning. And we want to help you get an education. We want to help you thrive in this world. And we thank you, God, that real faith doesn't talk about Jesus in a distant way. It talks about Jesus and then moves to action. And that's what we want to do as a whole congregation. Every one of us. Every man. Every woman. Every child. And we thank you that this building is a vessel that you seek to use to bring people closer to you and to lift them up and build them up. And we pray, God, that you would bless all of these efforts, the tutoring, the preschool, the food service, the ministry, the prayer, the worship that will happen here. We thank you, God, that you are moving in our world and that you're moving in our hearts. Guide us today to some tangible ways that we can act and respond. We pray all of this together and we pray it in your name. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray, amen. Michael C, will you give me two more minutes? Maybe, maybe three or four. To share two things with you that I've learned over the course of 30 years of ministry that I, I think are really, really important in this season. And one has been that I've seen over and over again, both in my life and the life of many of you that have come to me that if the balance of my time and energy that's spent on myself and spent on others gets tilted so much, that most of my life becomes about me and what I wanna do and where I wanna eat and where I wanna go and what my next plans are, um, that something shifts in my heart and in my mental health. And I often find like I'm depressed. I don't feel like I've got a purpose. And many people can't recognize it. They come in and go, I don't know what's wrong. Like, life's not that bad, and this doesn't feel like it's going. And I start to ask some questions, you find out, like, there's not a a significant chunk of your life that's built to serve, that you're made to go and love others. And I just got to tell you, God made you to do it, no matter who you are. And you're like, well, I'm a CEO. You have no idea how important I, I am, right? Even more so for you because you're an example to so many people, right? You're a teacher, you're like, well, I'm, I'm serving these kids all the, and you are, but you need some places that you serve outside of that vocational role that really fuel your heart and your life and your energy. And I've hit some places during this pandemic because so much of my life that's fueled me in doing that has been connecting with the big mission that we have across the globe, right? I mean, we got places that we're feeding hundreds of thousands of people like the front of, uh, frontier of Venezuela in the, I'm, I'm starting to use broken Spanish, right? The uh, not the frontera, the what's a, the English word, the border. Um, I live in a, a Latino community now, and I'm getting my words mixed up again, um, right? We at the border, there are beautiful things happening, and and during the World Series, I got to go, and we were raising money for Venezuela because we feel like God gave us Jose Altuve, and we should give something back, and so. Um, <laughs> So we felt like, okay, well, Jose Altuve came from Venezuela. We should feed people from Venezuela. But I, I had a moment of honesty and a moment of devotional before I went to the Astros game this week where I just went, God, I love this. And obviously I love going to cheer for my team. and But I feel a little bit empty that I'm at the World Series and we have these brothers and sisters that are struggling across the globe. Yes, we're raising money for Venezuela, but I don't feel satisfied in the way that I feel when I'm getting on a plane and I'm going to serve hands-on in those ways. Does that make sense to anybody? And, and so literally, I'm praying that prayer and i kid you not at our last painful 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 game game six <laughs> as we're losing and being absolutely shut out and crushed some of the best bats on the planet can't find the ball for anything right and uh, and i'm thinking like i literally i think this thought like at least we're raising money for venezuela like we have people here and like let's focus on the good And I turn and there are these two Latino ladies standing next to us. And I hear them speaking in Spanish to each other. And I'm getting a little better at picking up accents. And I start to figure out like, they're at least South American and maybe Venezuelan. I'm gonna ask in my broken Spanish and talk to them. And I I kid you not Ecclesia, they're from Maracaibo, a city close to the border. Uh, where we support a number of pastors and ministries and all of a sudden these people that got to buy astros tickets that supported venezuela got to meet these sisters and hear their story they've only been here for two months Uh, they they feel unbelievably blessed to have escaped some of the suffering in venezuela and we got this living example of it right and all of a sudden my heart started to come back Right? I started to feel this. And I, again, last night, we went to, uh, to a great football game in College Station and went to eat uh, God's uh, delights of, of uh, frozen chicken wings that are dropped in a fryer and <laughs> covered with sauce. And, uh, and this, uh, this guy from another border town is our waiter. And I get to talk about what's happening in Venezuela and I can just feel my heart ignite again. And I just gotta tell you, whoever you are, you're made for some of that. So there are opportunities to teach and to serve, but this is what I'd like to ask you to do. Whether you've got a little Spanish, or you've got a little heart for the city or whatever you've got, is to literally drive over to our new campus and prayer walk this week. Just walk around. If you're smart, you'll eat a taco at one of the taquerias around there. And you'll meet a friend. And would you just start to Pray about what you could do to be a part of that. And then secondly, in the same way that our life is bent around, it can't all be about us. Some of it's gotta be about service. It's the same for us financially. Now, there are a million good things you can give to and be a part of, but I'll tell you, if you look at your budget and even if it's 80 or 90 or definitely if it's 90 or 95 or 100% of what comes in gets spent on you, something's tilted. Something's tilted. And something happens when we begin to release 10, 15, 20, 30%. I got a number of friends that are, and they're the most beautiful people I know, that live on about half of what comes in, right? And they, they give the rest away. Now, most of us don't have that kind of discipline or heart, but I got to tell you, these, the, the, the most generous people I know are the happiest people I know. And so whatever that is for you to begin to look and say, how do I begin to shift some of what God's given me to regularly support the things of mission that I believe in? I love that we get to be a part of these things together. I can't even, if you could, you know, dig deep into my mind, you would see like, this is the thing that fuels me. People ask me like, what's the best thing about being the pastor of Ecclesia? And I'll tell you, it's that I get to wake up every day and know that there are water wells still functioning all across the globe and we're about to get into advent and we're going to raise more money to drill wa- more water wells you know why because even more important than the pandemic right can you imagine not having clean water to drink or to wash your hands with and what that looks like in a pandemic for people it's impossible and so what we began to do is adjust what our standard of living and what we would spend on ourselves and we began to share more generously and that's a really good life So would you give me a moment to pray for you and then we're gonna prepare to come to the table. We're gonna celebrate communion. I don't know what's going on in your world, but my hope and prayer today is that the message that God has for you is a new invitation, a re-invitation to orient your life around the faith that God's given you. I know it is for me. Lord God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I look around the room and I see people that I love. I know people that have big hearts for you. I see kids that I love. Lord, many that have served and will serve in beautiful ways. And I pray that today is a reminder for us that you've given each of us, just like little Ezra that we prayed for and dedicated today. Lord, we can't even imagine what you're going to do in his life. We can't can't even fathom. We know that you have plans for him. And we know that all around the room, you have plans to use each of us for good. Would you help us to open our hands and share, to adjust our schedules, and to prioritize the opportunities to serve. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ekthesiahouston.org.